This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. We are back here at the Home HQ. I am Steve Dace. Thanks for putting up with uh, yesterday's Evergreen. Got a lot of interesting reaction to that. And yes, we will be doing the Baker's Dozen Questions for Ron DeSantis Evergreen as well. Several of you have sent in really good entries. And then I told one gentleman, hey, we're going to use yours. And then I got like four others that I thought were really good, but I already gave this guy my word that we're going to use his, so we're going to use his. They're all, everything I've gotten so far have been really good. So yeah, we'll be doing that evergreen in the future as well. So hopefully you guys uh, found that conversation fascinating, fair. Fair doesn't mean, by the way, you agree. Uh, it, it, fair is not an outcome. Uh, fair is a process. I mean, do you, do you think that we, att- we're not, you know, egalitarians here. We're not socialists here. Um, although sometimes when I look at my email inbox, I'm not exactly sure of that. There are some of you who think fair is determined by whether my views align with yours, uh, whether my opinion is shared by you. Okay. That's not fair. Fair is a process. It is not an outcome. Uh, is the process by which we went about vetting the questions. I mean, we even had the conversation are the questions themselves are they yes. fair? We actually defended Trump in yeah. a couple of instances. Yes, yesterday. we did. You know, so I think the conversation was very fair, or at least maybe as fair as we are capable of, of doing, because we're all human and we all have our limitations. So hopefully you enjoyed that uh, yesterday on the show. And uh, we are back with a live, unless you're listening to the podcast, a live program today. Bobby Burke from OutKick will be joining us uh, at the bottom of the hour. We'll get to Theology Thursday. Next hour, as we continue our series on my book and nefarious plot three non-political questions as well uh fantastic time out in scottsdale wasn't quintessential arizona weather but i didn't matter to me i mean i just seeing green grass again and palm trees and flowers and seeing lawns get mowed um, it's funny just, that you think Phoenix is, the, you're so needing of it that Phoenix is the defini- definition of green to you. Yes. Which by Midwest, I mean, we do green when it pops. Right, right, right. It's desolation here for a few months out of the year. And then it's pretty green the rest of the time, right? Down there, it's pretty green a few months out of the year. Then it's desolation the rest of the time. <laughs> just a different desolation called heat. Uh, but it's a dry one. It's a dry heat. All right. It's called heat, not uh, the wintry variety. But had a great time. Um, some so d- Did some good stuff for Nefarious while we were there. Uh, and it was a great opportunity for the wife and I as well to, um, uh, to get... Uh, the uh, kind of a an early anniversary or anniversary is April 5th, which is actually the uh, the the day after the red carpet premiere for Nefarious. And so we'll be swamped with press junkets and everything where that's concerned. And we're kind of in a dead sprint now from here to April 14th. It is an absolute Iowa caucus esque dead sprint to release. And uh, so it was good to kind of do the uh, 
let's let's take a, a time a day or so away so we spent an extra day down there to get away and let her have a spa day and go out to dinner with some friends and uh, the folks at Trinity Church were more than accommodating uh, and the real men ministry down there as well were very gracious to us want to be extremely thankful uh, to John Welnick and uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll down there for uh, inviting us down after they had a chance to screen Nefarious a couple of weeks ago and they were absolutely blown away by it so it was good to unplug for a bit but now it is a dead sprint to release, you know? So it, it's, it's still hard for me to believe this is actually going to go down after all the years of waiting and wondering and putting it off, right? Um, but uh, we are just a little over. No, today's Thursday. So even though it's April 14th, we always do the 6 o'clock the night before is when you can start seeing screening. So three weeks from today, three weeks from today, you're going to be able to walk in to some, I don't know exactly how many yet. Uh, we'll have the list of theaters here probably at the beginning of the month. But uh, you're going to be able to walk into theaters around the country three weeks from tonight and see Nefarious. So it is uh, showtime. It is showtime, literally. So anyway, let's get to what you guys pay us to do here each day for the two hours that you have us with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Chaos. In case you were keeping score at home, Donald Trump is getting arrested on Tuesday. No, he's not getting arrested on Tuesday. He's getting indicted on Tuesday. Except it's not on Tuesday, it's on Wednesday. Except the grand jury hearing was canceled for Wednesday, so they're on standby for today. But they won't have a decision until next week. Meatball Ron Sanctimonious, NYPD has thousands of officers on standby. Sad. Got it? Good. Anyway, Donald Trump's campaign bragged media outlets this week. He made $1.5 million in fundraising in the wake of his announcement of his impending arrest that didn't happen, so it's all good. Meanwhile, here's what China has accomplished this week. China has successfully brokered a deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran to restore diplomatic relations. That came after increasing its military spending. Russia announced this week its plans to utilize the yuan in its dealings with Asia, Africa, and Latin American countries. That's okay, though, because our crack military is ready for anything, including military doctors who want to trans the seven year olds in the March edition of the American Journal of Public Health Department of Defense providers stated that the only appropriate approach for children of military members presenting with gender dysphoria symptoms is to immediately pursue quote unquote gender affirming health care such as puberty suppression that's chemical castration and affirming hormones the providers said children as young as seven can consent meanwhile at the White House here's Pentagon press secretary John Kirby the other day and President Biden has been uh, nothing but consent consistent uh, about his uh, belief, foundational belief in human rights and LGBTQ plus rights are human rights. Uh, and uh, we again, back to the earlier question, are never going to shy away, be bashful about speaking up for those rights and for, uh, uh, for individuals to live as they deem fit, as they want to live. And that's something that's a core part of our foreign policy and it, and it will remain so. In the Senate, Moderna CEO Stefan Bonsell was questioned by Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, who hasn't, to my memory up until this point, really delved into the side effects of the COVID jabs. Is there a higher interest or a higher incidence of myocarditis among adolescent males 16 to 24 after taking your vaccine? So thank you for the question, Senator. First, let me say we care deeply about safety and we're working closely to, with the CDC and the FDA to Pretty get- much a yes or no. Is there a higher incidence of myocarditis among boys 16 to 24 after they take your vaccine? 
the data I've shown actually, I've seen, sorry, from the CDC actually shown that there's less myocarditis for people who get the vaccine versus who get COVID infection. You're, you're saying that for ages 16 to 24 among males who take the COVID vaccine, their risk of myocarditis is less than people who get the disease. That is my understanding. That is not true. And I'd like to enter into the record six peer-reviewed papers from the Journal of Vaccine, the Annals of Medicine that say the complete opposite of what you say. I also spoke with your president just last week, and he readily acknowledged in private that, yes, there is an increased risk of myocarditis. The the fact that you can't say it in public is quite disturbing. Your 16-year-old's had COVID. Your 16-year-old gets better and now has recovered from COVID. You vaccinate them and they get myocarditis. Are you going to give them two more vaccines? Your child, give them two more vaccines? I'm not a clinician. I will have to discuss. You have children. I do. Have you vaccinated your children? I have. How many times? Three or four times. Three or four times. Anna Kasparian is an executive producer and host of The Young Turks. That's a digital news and commentary network most well known for their YouTube channel, funded and hosted by avowed communists. They are the left of the left, which is why it caught many people's eyes yesterday when Ms. Kasparian posted this on Twitter, quote, I'm a woman. Please don't ever refer to me as a person with a uterus, birthing person, or person who menstruates. How do people not realize how degrading this is? You can support the transgender community without doing this bleep. She was subsequently dragged by her own tribe for being a turf and a bigot. Georgia has just passed a bill that would ban doctors from prescribing chemical castration drugs drugs or performing meatball surgery on minors with gender dysphoria. SB 140 was passed in the State House on March 17th with an amendment that permits doctors to be sued civilly and criminally for violating the law. Brian Kemp is expected to sign the bill. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's administration is seeking to prohibit the teaching of sexual orientation and gender identity in classrooms across all grades now in a proposed rule that expands on what lefties call that don't say gay bill. The state education department, headed by DeSantis's appointees, has presented the proposal to be voted on next month by the State Board of Education. If passed, it'll forbid teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity in grades 4 to 12 with very few exceptions. And finally, this went down last week, but it's still hilarious. These are the two Nigerian brothers whom disgraced actor Justice Smollett hired to stage that fake hate crime back in 2019. Fox Nation interviewed these brothers and asked them to reenact the night they fake attacked Smollett. So I saw him out the corner of my eye and I was like, okay, that's him. Let's go. We gotta go get this empire. Yeah, that's him. That's him. Is that him? That's that neck. As we cross the street, we said hey to get his attention. Hey, Nick. Hey. He turned around, looked at us, and that's when we started yelling uh, the famous slurs he wanted us to yell. Hey. Aren't you that Empire? Hey, Empire fat Nick. It's MAGA country. Yeah. And then he said, What did you say to me? And then that's when I threw the first punch at him. I held the blow, because I didn't want to hurt him, of course. So I made it look real, but I held it. Then we started tussling, moving, moving around, and then I threw him to the ground. He wanted it to look like he fought back. 
that was very important for him because he said, hey, don't just beat my ass. Make it look like I'm fighting back and whatnot. So we did that. And then I threw him to the ground. And while after I threw him to the ground, I he had no bruise. I wanted it to look more real. So then I threw him to the ground. After I threw him to the ground, I used my knuckle and gave him a noogie. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that is like the DJ Jazzy Jeff sidekick just the whole time. Yes. No words, just. Yes. This yes. is gospel truth. Yes. Yes. I would imagine Jesse thought the noogie was a flirt. Mm. Right, let's is that get into kinks. Is, is, is that the early leader for video of the year right now? Might be. Is that it right there? That is absolutely tremendous. Whoever at Fox Nation came up with that. I know they're technically a competitor. I don't care. That's greatness. That is absolute greatness, and and I, and I don't know what it costs to probably get those guys to do it, man, but that's money. That's some of the best political money well spent of the year right there. So just to be clear, that's real. The, the, that's what I understand. Yeah, I, I have to ask these things because I just I don't know. trust anything anymore. We have to ask those things all of the time. Like, for example, I'll show you, there was something in that video that was very real. The level, the, the level of deception and cult from the Pfizer representative that Rand Paul was questioning. Moderna. Uh, oh, Moderna. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but, but I repeat myself. Uh, but, uh, that, that is very real. I, I don't know how many times I put this toxin into my child's body. I, I don't know. I don't have, I, I'm not even, I'm not sure. And just, and just lying like that, cold-blooded, straight-faced, knowing he was probably, and, and understand, doing so knowing he was probably going to get clubbed given what Rand Paul has done on, on this issue the whole COVID issue for the last couple of years had to know you were walking right in like Rand Paul right there is talking and there's a clenched fist right just just as he's speaking he's got a clenched fist out you know you're going to walk face first into that you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. and you're going to hit that thing you're going to hit it plush man you know that okay like when you hit the label on that Louisville slugger it's just going to feel like an extension of your arm right okay you know you're walking in okay and spits flying bodily fluids teeth are getting shattered okay you know that that's going to happen and yet what does he do anyway walks Cult. right into it he cults that's yeah. what cults do that's what cults do he walks right into it anyway Rand Paul on the other hand Dude's come a long way, man. I mean, from the the guy who w walked away uh, from the uh, Steve King Dreamer fight. Oh man, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, during the 2016 like, caucus cycle, got yeah. up like I want no part of this. Yeah, that snicker at the end from Rand Paul. Yeah, just laughs in his face about vaccinating his own children four to five times. That's just that's the the, the deserved contempt you've yeah. earned yep. for experimenting on your own children the, like this. Just disgusting. There's yep. nobody with better FU energy for the people that we want to have that than Rand Paul. There, and, and, and I love, and I, especially because it's sometimes he's like wearing that turtleneck and stuff like that. Yeah. And he has like this prep look to him, you know, and you don't expect it coming. You expect, but there's a certain Ferris Buellerism there, you know, a certain, you know, snottiness just despite the eighties prep look. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, we're going to get into in the overtime today. The Pentagon saying we uh, we want to uh, uh, we want to castrate kids because I have a long-standing theory that we get away as a country with operating outside of the natural laws of economics because we, there is no invading empire, there is no greater power to call us on it mm -hmm. because we've got the most badass military. So who's who's going to show up in the Chesapeake Bay and say we're here for the note? Who's going to do that? But, but, what if we don't have the most badass military anymore? You know what I'm saying? 
What if we don't have that? Well, we don't. And then I think they might show up in the Chesapeake Bay and they, they might, they might show up in Lake Erie. Um, they, they might show up in the Puget Sound. They, they, honestly, might, they might show up across the Rio Grande. Okay. Is anybody going to bet the house that we have a more badass military than China right now? Or is anybody going to do that? I, 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 that's the question we are going to debate today, among many others, in today's overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. If you are not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, we'll be joined today by Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage for that conversation. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's where you can go right now. Become a Blaze TV subscriber at just $10 a month. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. And, by the way, that's also where you'll be able to watch it later today if you are a Blaze TV subscriber. BlazeTV.com slash days. All right, so let, let's get into the story of the arrest. Um, they'll arrest me, they'll arrest me not. They'll arrest me, they'll arrest me not. They'll arrest me, they'll arrest me not. Um, I think this... F- so you have, the, uh, you have the DA in Manhattan now telling Congressman Jim Jordan who is running the weaponization can- committee in, in D.C. that, by the way, has done nothing. And this, this committee did nothing until Trump said they're going to arrest me Tuesday. Hundreds of Trump supporters sitting in, in cells and definitely detained for three years and counting. Nothing. All right. Uh, all kinds of people whose careers have been destroyed. We'll never get them back. All the lost income and everything else. We've got money to print for the Silicon Valley bank investors. No money to print for all the doctors and nurses and airline pilots and teachers and everybody else, right? The, or the military soldiers who got court-martialed or thrown out uh, and, and without any pay or, or any pensions. We had nothing for them. So Jim Jordan's Weaponization Committee has done not a damn thing since they took office in January. Nothing. No way. And But suddenly... Has suddenly, because Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, something's, something's starting to Mr. Forget Mr. Trump's supporters. You don't matter. Forget the actual Trump supporters themselves. The people who go to the rallies, who cheer, who vote, who, who defend. Forget them. We have, we've got nothing for them. But Mr. Trump himself, bammo. Heaven and earth gets moved. And so the DA says that Trump essentially was gaslighting you and saying we were going to arrest you. I'm calling BS on that. Complete BS on that. And I think this tweet from Charlie Kirk just about 20 minutes ago before we went on the air, I think perfectly explains why. Quote, so if Trump created a false expectation, that's the Manhattan DA's uh, term that he gave to Congressman Jordan. So if Trump's, if Trump created a false expectation about his impending arrest, as Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has now indicated. By, by the way, the, the names of these people, Bragg... Our first bisexual senator is Sin Ama. A little like Star Wars on the nose. Newt, I mean, Newt, I, Newt Gunray yeah, yeah, and yes. Dodd. I mean, what was the woman that, the, the one woman that did get busted for leaking on Trump? What was her name? Like Rebel Yell or something? Wasn't it weird? Something like that, though? Do you remember this? Re- Winter Rebel or Rebel Winter? Isn't that it? I thought it was like oh. Rebel Yell or something oh, yeah. like that. The names, the names of these people are incredible. It's, it is like we are in a, a, a cosmic script. It, 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 the, the, I mean, it's just, anyway, anyway, let me get to the statement. Um, so if Trump created a false expectation about his impending arrest, as Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has now indicated, why the multi-year investigation? True. Why impanel a grand jury? True. Prosecutors are often known for impaneling grand juries because they're bored. You ever heard the saying that a good prosecutor can get a ham sandwich indicted? Prosecutors only impanel grand juries for one stated outcome. 
indictments. That's it. Doesn't mean they always get them, but that's why they get impaneled. And in this case, you certainly are not impaneling a grand jury to not have that end game. Charlie goes on. Why the barricades at the Manhattan criminal court? True, we all saw them. Right. Why the glowing propaganda profile in political Politico? True, that was out earlier this week. In fact, I think it came out the day on Monday, I think is when that profile came out. So I completely agree with Charlie here and everyone else. That's complete horse manure. That is complete horse manure. Which leaves us with a couple of different outcomes of what's going on here. Number one, and I think any of them are possible, uh, Trump blowing this up, raised the threat alert on this, and now they're trying to do the, the, the Homer Simpson back into the bushes gif, okay, and how do we retcon this thing? All right. And save some level of face. I think that's absolutely true uh, that, that he blew it up. And they weren't prepared for the level of blowback that they were going to see in response to this. I think that's absolutely true. Also true that the exculpatory witness, I believe this was, was and I can't remember, is this Michael Cohen's former attorney or something? Um, something to do with Cohen. That's something yeah. to do with him that testified on Monday, went in there and. Only takes one or two grand jurors to get wobbly, George. You know, look at that and say, oh, I don't know if I want my name on that. You know, how about you guys just go ahead and nominate him again and we'll just steal the election from him and I'll just get my vengeance on uh, Orange Man Bad that way rather than uh, signing my name to this complete, you know, uh, kamikaze mission to hell and back. I'm not going to sign on to this bridge to nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's lots of ways. If I'm on that grand jury, trust me, everybody on that grand jury hates Trump. That's why they're there. Okay. Um, so if I'm on that jury, I'm like, let me see. I mean, do I want my name on this or do I just, you know, uh, volunteer to pull watch and count the votes next November? Right. We'll just get him then. You know what I'm saying? Because we know we can get away with that. I, 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 it's one of those two. And I don't see a third option. I don't believe that they were never going to indict him. I agree with everything that Charlie writes there. They clearly intended to do this. I mean, hell, I, I thought they were going to perp walk him last year before the election. I said that when this thing began, I thought they were going to perp walk him right before the midterms. So that's complete and total BS. These guys, these guys had three days. This prosecutor had three days since Trump blew the whistle on this over the weekend that they could have come out and said, not true, not happening. Any of those days, did they come forward at all and say, uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Not that's not the plan here. Any, any, yeah. any? No, no, no. Charlie is completely correct. Total and complete BS. They're trying to figure out: Can we still get away with this? Let me put it very bluntly. District Attorney Alvin Bragg is trying to figure out what is the worst blow to my future political aspirations. Going forward with the deed and looking like an ass. Because remember, it's a grand jury, so all that testimony is sealed, right? So we don't really know. Well, yeah, unless it gets leaked. The Mueller probe was supposed to be a grand jury, too, that the testimony was sealed. And that all got selectively leaked for, what, a year and a half? All right, so unless there's indictments, you don't know what the, intest what the testimony is. It's leaked, or it, it's Freudian slip. It is sealed. And then you find out if there's an indictment. All this stuff becomes public record. 
And so that's the math I think that Mr. Bragg is doing right now. Okay, we go through the indictment now. Everything we pen in that grand jury, including this guy's testimony on Monday, everything goes out there. Does the, the, what, what is the worst? And, and almost no one in a major city that becomes a district attorney, that's like the end game of their career. That's a stepping stone job. Particularly in Democrat blue cities. This is their farm team. So he is, he is quantifying what is the worst blow to his future political prospects going forward with the indictment and therefore having all of this become a matter of public record and blowing up completely the narrative that they thought they had control of in their faces, blowing that up. Or two, not going forward with the indictment, just retconning this thing, memory holding it faster than you can say Vegas shooter, Right. And we all just, you know, six months from now, you remember that time they're going to indict? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they're doing right now. And D.A. Bragg is on the phone. It's like, it's like the demonic version of that scene in, in Miracle on 34th Street where the judge brings in his conciliary behind chambers. Man, what do I do if I declare this guy's, you know, not Santa Claus, every, every the you know, prophets off of Christmas hates me. If I declare that he is, I look like a nutbag and, you know, I'll probably lose the next election. Right? He's trying to, that, those classic scenes in that movie, mm-hmm. that, this is the demonic version of that. They are demonically attempting to figure out what's the least here the least damaging to Mr. Bragg's future political prospects. That's what's happening. As I said to you on Tuesday, I have absolutely no problem whatsoever with Trump raising money off of this. I'd be raising, I'd be raising hella money off of this. Here's the thing that's fascinating, though. He's not. As of yesterday, he'd raised about $1.5 since Saturday. Guys, on the Cruz campaign... After, the, after we won the 2016 Iowa caucuses and there were still about 14 other candidates in the race, we, we raised $3 million in three days. I mean, Donald Trump has had the entire conservative media, myself included, discussing this story, defending him on this story. Frankly, the only time you've heard about Ron DeSantis the last few days is Trump kvetching about him on his own social media. What they want to do here, this witch hunt against Trump has completely taken over, and rightfully so in my opinion, but it's completely taken over the media landscape. And he's he's, he's 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 an incumbent former president, supposedly with a 20 point lead in these polls. And, and off of one of the most obvious witch hunts and persecutions we've ever seen, he raises a million and a half dollars in just in a few days off of that. That's it? The Cruz campaign, we raised double that against Trump, against Rubio, against still most of the field after we won the Iowa caucuses. And we didn't have most of conservative media carrying water for us. Which, by the way, I don't view defending Trump on this as carrying water. I view it as a just cause. That's why I'm doing it.
kind of now maybe because I get questions about national polls. I almost spend no time analyzing them. We do this every cycle. I always tell you the only opinions that matter are in Iowa and New Hampshire, and they don't vote for now it's 11 months. Next month, it'll be 10 months. Next month, it'll be nine months. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And then then things once the once the once the field gets shaped by those two states, then things will matter then. But they don't matter right now. Well, no wonder the guy's got a 20 point lead in the polls. He sucked absolutely all the damn oxygen out of the room with this witch hunt. Wow. Everybody's talking about Trump. We take a bunch of polls about Trump. And suddenly, since that's the name everyone's talking about, he's got a massive lead that, that, that they're just a measure of name ID. In the end, you can tell money is people's ultimate ultimate conviction. The Grandma Boomer segment that's been sending Trump 50 bucks a month for the last since since 2015 to save America, coming up with only 1.5 million in just a few days. That's just dog crap. That ain't nothing, man. That's nothing. But that's a sideshow, separate story to the major story. And the major story is he called him on it. And now they don't know what to do. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Yeah, uh, Trump uh, listened to last year's theme, uh, Let's Find Out. And he's always been gifted at throwing everybody off balance when he does this on all sides of the equation. Um, I, I absolutely applaud him doing so. Look at what they've done with, you know, rusting Roger Stone in the middle of the night. This is what they wanted. They want to come in with shock and awe and him going full-on gladiator are you not entertained Mm -hmm. he just would he makes it all ridiculous if then they show up in the middle of the night or some clandestine raid when trump has been megaphoning the whole thing i mean this is uh trump is actually we love him hate him whatever you do you should be taking lessons on him this is not unique to donald trump uh most people should be doing more of this uh cockroaches hate sunlight in other words absolutely this when i when i say get on get uncomfortable it just means doing this not accepting their damn premise which is another thing steve has been uh lecturing you on a long time and we constantly do it trump isn't and he's winning yeah, I mean, I was pretty confident from the get-go Trump was not making this up. There's a there's a popular trope that I've seen a lot, and I don't know if you've seen this as well, that Trump is just making all of this up. Well, no, there's a grand jury. Maybe he was maybe inflating the possibility of be, getting perp-walked. Might even want it. He might, might even want Well, he yeah. definitely does want it. But uh, this, this has been, you know, uh, for a couple of weeks, this has been rumored to happen. It was good to get out ahead of it, regardless of what you think of him, what, regardless of his motivations. Like Todd just said, sunlight, best disinfectant. So I think that has played some of a rule in what we've seen and how this has unfolded. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Well, he's written a couple of interesting pieces lately, so we thought, you know what, let's just get him on and talk about it. Bobby Burke is here with us from OutKick. Good to see you again, Bobby. How are you? 
Hey, Steve, I appreciate you coming or having me on. It's been a while. It has been a while, man. Good to have you back for sure. Um, yeah. Let's start with the first piece I wanted to talk to you about because this 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 is the one I'm I I, I absolutely want to be true the most. I, I want you to be prophetically correct about this. The fall of woke. You are gonna you make the the case that woke influence within our institutions has at least peaked and reached a point of diminishing returns. I want this to desperately be true. I need you to know up front, I'm not entirely convinced. But go ahead, make the case, brother. Yes, I think uh, it's important to distinguish. I think woke influence is starting to fall, not necessarily woke. I think woke people are still populating with the influence. So we have to go back to when this really started. See, Steve, woke never really captured much of the population. A study found that only 8% of the electorate actually agrees with what woke has come to mean. However, it's always seen much mightier than that because of the influence, because what woke did is it captured forms of messaging, be it big tech, entertainment, media, academia, sports, Hollywood, comedy. So it's really a misrepresentation of society because you would think by turning on the TV or the news or going on social media that woke has come to define the American culture. Mm -hmm. But it really hasn't. It just seems that way because they control the message, they control the outrage, thus they control who gets promoted, demoted, and even fired. So that misrepresentation can last so long as those institutions continue to promulgate the message. What we're seeing lately is influencers within those institutions reverse, the woke reversal, I would call it. You have Chris Rock going after woke business calls. Russell Brand evading the thought police going on Rumble. Netflix completely changing their programming by dismissing shows about anti-racism and men having babies and lies to catering more towards middle America, the country at large. I think you see what happened Twitter. Twitter was progressive utopia. They could rig the algorithm where any wonky trend seemed Mm -hmm. normal. They could crush any common sense opinion. But with Elon Musk taking over, it's much more moderate. It's not nearly as rigged in one direction. I think the final point is, this is key, fear enabled the woke. People were so afraid that the mob was going to come for them next that they would self-cancel. They worried that one old tweet, one joke, one thought crime could just torpedo their entire career. But something interesting has happened. Last year, Dave Chappelle, Dave Portnoy, Joe Rogan, They didn't do what most targets of the mob did, Steve. They didn't bow, comply, apologize in a tone. They fought back. They rejected those claims. They rejected the pressure. And what ended up happening is the woke was out of ammunition. Cancel culture, if you will, is a complete product of compliance and submission. Shall you not submit, they shall not cancel. So you're starting to see that fear wane because of people like Rogan and Chappelle and Portnoy showing how vulnerable the movement actually is. So I, I agree with everything you just said, and I think that is excellent analysis. Here, here's why, though, I'm not as confident as you are. And maybe this is our age difference. How old are you, Bobby? 25. All right. So I, I definitely think it's our age difference. Uh, to me, I, I'm, I'm 49. Woke to me is the latest iteration of, of, of the last 30 years. Each decade, it's repackaged itself. So in the 90s and, and, and to the mid to late 2000s, it was called political correctness. 
Then right. it was repackaged after that into intersectionality. Now it's been repackaged again into wokeism. And and there's always been a cachet or cadre. Now I do agree with you, Russell Brand, you know, doing you know episodes with Stephen Crowder and Ben Shapiro and 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 crossing over to Rumble. That's a different level of provocation than what we've seen in the past from from the uh, the 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 dissenters across that cross the ideological picket line. I I agree that and him and Rogan, I'd put both in that camp, are more aggressively willing to to violate those orthodoxies than before. But this thing just re re reboots. It's a hydra. It just reboots people figure out the political correct game start profiting off of another layer of entertainment emerges to to be as unpolitically correct as possible and blows up that canard then it becomes more academic in nature and repackages itself as a serious philosophy known as intersectionality then that never captures uh the 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 pop culture crowd never really seeps deep down into you know oscars so racist doesn't really seep down into while you're nominating get out for an academy award and so they just re uh, they just reconfigured it as woke, made it sound cool and hip again, and it instantly captured pop culture and all of these institutions. People are figuring out, hey man, this thing the jig is up. We understand this is another scam. I, I just think this thing will just reboot. Skynet will Whoa. just repackage. So the, the age um, difference you bring up is interesting because I think so. Let's just talk about people in my age demographic, say eighteen to thirty. Well, they're very impressionable, right? They they succumb to peer pressure, and for so long, the peer pressure has been to want to be like the woke because they were the cool ones. All their favorite athletes, actors, comedians, and shows were woke. But I think with Brand and Chris Rock and Rogan and Dave Portnoy, because they are these influencers who are almost declaring war on their former tribe because mm-hmm. these were all progressives before lately, they're making it cool to now be an outlier. And I think for Twitter, so importantly, see retweets and likes and engagement dictate Twitter, they dictate the mood, they dictate opinions. People just want to fit in. So being offended and being woke was the best way to gain a large Twitter reaction. A lot of people under 30 were going to do that. But I think now with algorithms not so rigged that way, with people wanting to be like Rogan, Chappelle, Chris Rock, and Russell Brand, I think there's going to be more influence to not buy into this because I think the shift in culture is pretty notable. And I ended my piece saying that the great Andrew Breitbart always said politics is downstream from culture. Mm -hmm. So if I'm right and this influence does begin to continue to wane, I think you will see a shift in politics at some point once culture really takes over that way. That's interesting analysis. And you just flipped the script on me from an age standpoint. I mean, if I'm reading you correctly, and and I respect that, if I'm reading you correctly, what you're saying is, hey, uh, soon to be old man. Yeah, you have lived longer than me and seen the various reboots and iterations of this. True. But the way that this stuff is communicated is different. It's more democratized than what it was before. Uh, and, and, and so once, once something gets out on social media to the masses, hey, this thing's a, a house of cards. It's a crock of turds. It's not as easy to just instantly repackage and reboot the exact same scam um, it, 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 because of how democratized the flow of information is now in my generation compared to past ones and you're right i had not thought about that is that essentially your argument basically 100 percent. a good example is um about a year ago this time the hashtag was trending called 
hashtag mask up and hashtag vac slash boosted. Now, Steve, that ranked one and two on the Twitter trends section. So by people putting that on a tweet or in their bio, mm -hmm. they were more likely to rank higher on Twitter. Now, I don't believe that that was just random. I think Twitter doctored that and put it on the front of the trending, which Twitter files has somewhat confirmed they did often. So I just think, yes, with the way communication is, it, it was really easy to convince people to convert to wokeism, if you will, because that made them seem popular. That was in vogue for so long. The shift now is going to make it less popular. I think people are going to start to shift because they never really bought into this, but they bought into being woke was best for their social media page, best for their brand, best for their potential influence. So since you brought up COVID, let's let's switch gears and discuss that because you wrote a piece as well for Outkick, Outkick recently talking about the information war as it pertains to COVID, including its origins. Um, when when Todd and I uh, worked together on the number one bestseller Fauci and Bargain, when that was released at the end of March 2021, we included a chapter on the Wuhan lab. Um, and we left a lot of breadcrumbs of evidence of what we think really went on there. But you were still censored absolutely everywhere. At, at, at the end of March of 2021, you were still censored everywhere uh, if you dared to publicly um, connect the dots and, and, and define what is likely the true origins of the virus. Uh, and then about a month after our book came out, I think it was Vanity Fair or The Atlantic, but I repeat myself, one of those uh, two regime-approved uh, publications uh, came out with uh, an, an expose on the true lab origins of the virus. And then when you know, Bobby, just immediately, fake book and all the big tech silicon Valley guys just Thanos snapped and you could suddenly now discuss this when you couldn't discuss it before. That's absolutely evidence of the information war that you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, so the, the precursor to this column was I was talking to a uh, friend of mine who uh, you know, really prides himself, I think I'm being pretty informed, but they just consume the mainstream media. So I got talking to them and discussed COVID and some of the revelations that had come and they were like shocked about what we're starting to hear and learn now. And I got thinking, the average person during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, when we were the most vulnerable, most curious, most fearful, they were fed a lie from top down on every topic. They were told mask would stop the infection or stop the spread, that the vaccine would protect them, that plexiglass was advantageous, mm -hmm. that hunkering down was sane, that mm -hmm. masking their kids all day in school was actually a logical approach. They were told that this virus likely originated from pangolin to bat to now raccoon dogs, and that's a real topic. So if you just consumed mainstream media, you were wildly uninformed and duped all throughout the pandemic. I mean, Steve, people like you and I can go on and look for other sources and maybe read other people, speak to other people. But most of those sources that we consume, they were relegated to the fringes. They weren't available to the masses during COVID. They were censored, kicked off Facebook, kicked off Twitter, demonetized on YouTube. That to me is an information war because the truth truth has never been harder to find. It's not accessible to everybody. I just go think of like my parents, aunts, uncles, they're getting their news from ABC and NBC. And what they were told during COVID wasn't true. The quote unquote conspiracy theorists were the ones who were much closer to the facts. So I, you know, I, I headline that column that that is the greatest domestic threat, the lack of truth 
accessibility because we hear so much from Biden and the press and other influencers that the greatest threat to the homeland is white supremacy and conservatives and conspiracy theorists and MAGAs and now whatever they call DeSantis supports. No, no, no. The biggest threat is the fact that most people are being fed lies and they don't know it and they don't, they're not seeking out other sources because those sources aren't readily available across the nation. The, the most challenging part of my job uh, to the end, to that end of what you were just saying, Bobby, most challenging part of my job as a commentator is figuring out what is the actual, what's actual real true information and news to comment upon. And I, I've never viewed myself as a journalist or reporter um, because of the epistemological black hole that emerged uh, from March 16th, 2020 on the COVID era turned me into one. I had to I had to literally I had to literally go out now and find and report my own news for the first time in my career, because outside of a few people that were willing to, to, to challenge those orthodoxies and risk their standing in social media as a result, there was just no place else to go. And and along those lines on a given day it is the biggest challenge on any topic how do i know when i'm even going to comment on to this audience is true i have to i have to do a, a level of sleuthing and and verification way beyond what i've ever had to do in this job in the past yeah and like i'll speak of what i do when i when i write these columns um one of the things that makes it so difficult for me is is that it's hard for me to cite a lot lot of sources and outlets like i mean you're always told when you're going through like journalism school like always cite the new york times washington post you'll be okay well i found those to be the most inaccurate outlets out of all of them so just because the new york times reports something doesn't mean that we should cite that as a fact and a lot of journalists do that i mean so many stories i read now regurgitate studies and facts from those outlets that have proven themselves to either be irresponsible liars or completely inept. I mean, we go back to the COVID origin story, according to Spectator, which is actually doing real journalism, they said a chief New York Times editor told his reporters to not seek the true origin of COVID because it lends credence to Donald Trump conspiracies to just print that it was from a bat or from a pangolin. Then we find out Jeff Zucker did the exact same thing. So these Leaning news outlets, or so they say, are suppressing the curiosity of their newsrooms, telling them to parrot, quote unquote, experts and left wing politicians. I mean, that is frightening that the people whose sole job is to uncover the truth are not allowed to uncover the truth anymore. Great stuff, Bobby. People can follow your work at Outkick. Where else would you like them to go? Yeah, Outkick. I'm on Twitter. I have a wonky handle at Burak Bobby. I can't switch it to Bobby Burak for whatever reason. So they can follow me on Twitter. And uh, before I would go, I want to encourage everybody listening to check out your new movie. I was lucky enough to get an early screener. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. Props to you and the entire team. A really cool stuff. And I think a a game changer, but what's to come with American culture. So you really liked the movie. You you liked Nefarious then? I did. It, it, It did what I said movies don't do, and that is prioritize the type of stuff that most of the Americans find interesting and entertaining. And I thought that when I watched that, it was a movie made for people like me who are so often neglected in content creation. Great stuff, man. Really appreciate the kind words. Thank you. And good work as well over at Outkick. Appreciate it. Talk soon. You bet. Interesting conversation there, too, given the age difference between the two of us. And I had not considered... Because, again, that's where the generational 
difference works against me. I had not considered, you know, sometimes what you have with age, you get wisdom from the experience of seeing how things play out, but you maybe lack the perspective of seeing how solutions may exist to the way things used to play out uh, that didn't exist before. So his case is that the democratization of information well, now that the woke card has essentially been exposed and people are pushing back and violating it now, it, it won't be as easy to reboot as it was the previous couple of times because of the democratized way information gets out there. So this is more in your generational wheelhouse, Aaron. What do you think of that? Well, I, like you, I'm, I'm still a little skeptical. I, I, think, I think all things being equal, that is some solid analysis because he's absolutely right. The, the way that we get our information has been democratized, but that begs a serious question. The, and that question is, what are we going to do to make sure that it stays that way? Because, yeah, the, the spirit of the age, woke, what have you, they're not just going to go away anytime soon. The spirit that wants to censor any, any sort of viewpoint right. that differs from the spirit of the age, that's not going away anytime soon. So what are we going to do to ensure that information, or at least access to information, stays democratized? Now, Twitter, um, being purchased by Elon Musk, at least for right now, that's a really good place to be. What is that type of thing going to look like in the future? How are we going to vanguard that? That's the question. We'll come back and have Theology Thursday when we do, right after this. Stay tuned. And greetings. Hour two is underway right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. And all of you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Please email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. Look for me on Truth Social, and you got to look hard to find me there. At Real Steve Dace, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Thanks to all of you that listen via the podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. You're probably the biggest part of our audience. So thank you. Uh, Please leave us a five-star review if you've yet to do that. That's if you like us, of course. If you don't, we wouldn't ask you to embellish. If you kind of like it, we would ask you to exaggerate. Uh, you can also hit subscribe or follow. And thanks one to every single one of you uh, that has done that for us already. Literally thousands of you. And we greatly appreciate them all. Thank you so very much. Hour two brought to you by our friends over at Relief Band. If you struggle with nausea, like because you listen to this show, uh, or uh, travel travelers, nausea, etc. Relief Band is something you need to check out. It is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, even chemotherapy, and so much more. So whether you need everyday nausea relief or just an occasional cure from nausea, their patented technology makes feeling sick a thing of the past just like it named its name says get relief from relief band if you want to actually check out a relief band that actually works at relieving your nausea 
Check out reliefband.com right now. I've got an exclusive offer just for all of you. If you go to reliefband.com, use the promo code Steve, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping. That's 20% off plus free shipping at reliefband, just like it sounds, R-E-L-I-E-F-B as in boy, A-N-D, reliefband.com. Use the promo code Steve for 20% off plus free shipping. Let us continue our series on a nefarious plot, which given how anxious Todd is about this, this might be the final time we ever go through this book. Cause what did you tell me? If we didn't, if, if this wasn't leading up to the release of the movie, I'd be begging you right now to make it stop. Basically that's what you told me during the break. Yeah. The, and I, I have been going back and I've, I've, you know, I'm helping you edit the book. I don't know what read number this is for me. So I'm on the second hand. Uh, for sure. But like I, I saw about two thirds of the way through this chapter, you get to Kermit Gosnell and I'm just like, no, I remember this. It's in my DNA. I'm not reading this again. It's, it's so important that you did it and documented it, but man, it, I mean, that state right now is an absolute toilet bowl. Mm -hmm. And that happened. I remember vividly because I got a huge fight in our wire editor at the Des Moines register about it at the time uh i said why aren't you covering this weeks you know and he's like oh well it's it's a local story i just said get the f out of here you got to be kidding me. all all the local stories you find everywhere when it fits your narrative Ted Bundy's you, a local story yeah, in yeah. the seattle area he actually said it's richard a, ramirez a local story in la it a, yes it's so preposterous and that was again uh i've been with you now eight years when was gosnell 10 years I, ago 2013 i mean there's that that's it's like what we were talking with Bobby, you know, what's true, what's narrative, what you're allowed to hear, what mm-hmm. you're allowed. And that, so you made sure you you like you're going to drink this from the fire hose. All of you who read this book, because you need to understand what true evil looks like. You're not allowed to morph it into whatever you want to put it in this place so you can go on and be comfortable. I, I, I couldn't read it because it's so disgusting. You did a such a valuable service just it wasn't even writing. You were just documenting. You look at this. You rubbed all of our noses in it and said, this is what evil is. And this is what, when you say you're a person of faith, you need to be very real about. Because when you're baptized in my faith, do you reject Satan? Well, do you? Because this is Satan at his altar. And it happened 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And what have we done to change since? In this chapter called Dead, did you want to chime in on that, Aaron? Yeah, I, I mean, just rereading this in the break, just the end of the chapter in the break. There are very few things, and maybe there should be more. But do you you have those moments where it's just like, you know, in the back of your mind as a believer, it's like you can't wait to be reunited with Christ. Reading this, it's like, just end this now. Just end it now. You know, this, the level of evil described in this chapter, it's not just a gut punch like the rest of the book is. It is 200 proof, just 200 proof, no straight, uh, no chaser, no chaser. And even Nefarious says in this book, in this chapter, talking about Kermit Gosnell, listen, I hate your species. Even I think this is disgusting. It'll make your it'll make your stomach turn, and it's the disgusting, wicked heartbeat of one of the most 
moving, if not the most moving scenes. And when I say moving, yep. um, I'm not, it's not going to move you like a nice little sweet tearjerker, but it's going to move you. Yeah, this movie. ain't the fire up team, Kurt uh, uh, Russell speech in no. uh, in in Miracle. No, no, no. So this is the moment as Nefarious. We've been going through the chapters now where Nefarious is itemizing the different facets of his plan, and and this is the moment that he says was the turning point in the war for the collective soul of your civilization. All other debaucheries, he says, stems from this moment, and he. He, he compares it to um, the Battle of Midway in the Pacific Theater in World War II, uh, Gettysburg in the Civil War, uh, that this was the turning point and that the embracing, he says, of a culture of death is absolutely what set the stage for every other debauchery that we would absorb and accept and deploy from there. And I wasn't going to do this, actually, but since you guys have brought it up a couple times, I think I am. I'm going to share that excerpt from the book with the audience. In this chapter, Nefarious brings up three cases, three examples that had happened in recent times to make his case that we have, as a country, fully embraced a culture of death. He brings up a woman that was featured in in People magazine uh, for her death with dignity and why she chose to end her life on her own and be euthanized. He brings up the uh, and how this was now being popularized and marketed by one of the leading magazines in the country, People Magazine. He talks about the uh, infamous case of Terry Schiavo and the starving of her to death uh, back in the day and, and the controversy that surrounded that. And then he brings us to what was a relatively new controversy at the moment that this book was being published. That's the Kermit Gosnell trial. And before we get there, I'll, I'll leave this up to you as well. The Kermit Gosnell thing, maybe a parental advisory if there's young ears Very, listening. Indeed. Absolutely. Yes. This is at least PG-13, for sure. Nefarious writes, I have taken the liberty of preparing a summary of the most gruesome testimony from the Gosnell trial. Just to give you a mere glimpse of his handiwork, while it pales in comparison to what many of you reading this we're hearing it today, we'll see down here one day. I can see the resemblance nevertheless. Karima Cross worked for Gosnell for a harrowing four years, helping with child-killing procedures and conditions so bad that she snapped photos to document them and then reported her, her boss to the authorities under a fictitious name. But nobody listened because reproductive freedom and all. Two years later, authorities raided Gosnell's clinic thinking it was a pill mill only to discover that it was a frightening it was frighteningly so much more in other words they went in there for reasons totally unrelated to the babies gosnell was butchering dismembering babies did not move them to act but the potential of gosnell dealing prescription drugs under the table did who says your priorities are out of whack cross said her training for working with gosnell consisted of observing one ultrasound procedure and after and after that she was on her own heavily highly trained when Cross got a measurement of a baby in the womb beyond 24 weeks, she would have one of the other women who were better using the relic from the 1980s to verify her findings. The 24 weeks measurement was key because it is illegal to abort an unborn child after 23 weeks and six days in Pennsylvania. However, if the child is at 22 weeks, you can literally tear him apart limb from limb, rip the flesh off his puny little puny little bones and pay it no mind. 
I love this country, Nefaria says. If the child was beyond 24 weeks, Gosnell himself would always redo those ultrasounds. Gosnell was just going to make the ultrasound say whatever the law said it needed to say. If Pennsylvania banned killing unborn babies at 16 weeks, Gosnell would manipulate the results to say that. If the ban was at 30 weeks, he was going to lie about that, and so on and so forth. He's a killer of children. Why would anybody trust him to tell the truth? Cross described in vivid detail her experience at Gosnell's clinic. She testified that at first she began taking vital signs and working the front desk. Duties as a medical assistant she was qualified for. But after two weeks, Cross was asked to start doing ultrasounds, injecting drugs when Gosnell wasn't in the building, and assisting in the grungy, blood-stained procedure rooms. While she worked for Gosnell, Cross testified that at least twice a day, six days a week, at least two babies would be birthed before Gosnell ever arrived. Twice a day, six days a week. At least two babies would be birthed before Gosnell ever arrived. She said an unlicensed medical school graduate with a grisly curiosity about abortions would be there to snip the baby's necks. She saw him do this at least 50 times times she saw this medical assistant take babies that were born alive of course they're already alive in their mother's womb but that's beside the point nefarious says not stillborn but alive and she saw this medical assistant murder at least 50 of them when babies were born in gosnell's presence he would do the dirty deed himself cross sometimes worked from 8 a.m to 3 a.m the next morning helping with these procedures Gosnell's clinic was a prolific killing machine that would have made any oppressive tyrant proud. Cross routinely saw babies born alive that were moving, breathing, and moaning. Cross held her hands about 16 inches apart during her testimony to show how big these babies were. Once in Gosnell's absence, Cross once saw a large baby delivered into a toilet. She saw his little arms and legs moving in a swimming motion as he was trying to get out of the toilet. Gosnell severed the baby's neck to kill it right there in front of the mother, who was bleeding into the toilet. A nurse then placed the baby's remains in a container and whisked it away. Nefarious writes, let me pause right there for a second. And this is the part you were relating to, Aaron. I am a demon who hates your species with every fiber of my being and takes joy in causing it great pain. Yet even I am disgusted at that. Pleased for sure to see your savagery confirmed, but disgusted nevertheless. Now back to more mayhem. Cross testified that another worker once called her over to see a baby that had just been born. Cross saw the baby's chest heaving up and down in steady breathing motions. The other nurse reached down and brought the hand up, but the newborn pulled it away with its own strength. Cross said she saw the baby breathing for about 20 minutes on its own before the other nurse murdered the child by snapping its spinal cord with scissors. When the nurse who killed that child testified under oath at the Gosnell trial, she appeared emotionless and stared blankly ahead throughout, almost as if she was in a catatonic state, often taking uncomfortably long pauses. Instead of allowing herself to experience a deep, convicting guilt that might have led to repentance, she went the cognitive dissonance route because science. This sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? Cognitive dissonance about savagery and suffering you cause because science. Any stories similar in vain to this over the last few years you can think of? Cross testified she observed self-breathing babies on more than 10 occasions once she testified she even heard a whimpering cry a 15 year old girl 
same age as my own mother, was working in the killing rooms where that crying sound originated, a 15-year-old girl. She sought Cross's help with what to do. A teenage girl, perhaps one day destined to be a mother herself, was being trained how to kill children instead of raising them. And Nefarious says, that's what I call progress. Pretty much everyone that worked for Gosnell administered medications without supervision, even though none were qualified to do so. Sort of like the Pfizer vaccine trials. Administering vaccines, people that aren't medically trained, drawing blood. Several of the ladies tried to follow the mixing charts when administering sedation, but Cross noticed two nurses did not follow proper procedures while drugging women. On occasion, some receiving those, obje- those injections complained to Cross about their swollen arms. This is very pro-woman, obviously. I mean, this is, this is just, this is a feminism how-to manual here. Cross complained about the way, about the way that the handling of drugs, uh, or the the way drugs were being handled to Gosnell, but nothing ever changed. Fed up with the conditions and the appalling way women were treated at Gosnell's clinic, besides the little women Cross helped Gosnell kill, of course, Cross began to document the horrific conditions with her own camera. The full color pictures were shown to a darkened courtroom on a large viewing screen. She photographed the blood soaked procedure table in the operating room, which had which had rips in the vinyl where women laid down during their abortions. This is the island of Dr. Moreau. But don't worry when you take your child there to have his balls removed or her chest binded, the vinyl, everything will be in a much more immaculate condition. She photographed the blood-soaked procedure table in the operating room, which had rips in the vinyl where women lay down during their abortions. The same table had been seized from the clinic and was present in the courtroom throughout the prosecution's case. Some of the rust on the table was actually described as dried blood. But wait, Nefaria says, it gets worse. Another photo taken by Cross showed two shelves over the same sink where another nurse washed baby remains down a drain to be ground up in a garbage disposal. On the shelves were about 50 jars with fetal feet floating in liquid. There was a picture of an indescribably filthy sink where there was used plastic. Don't ever, any of you ever again, send me any more of your highbrow notes that I'm too eager to administer the death penalty. If anything, I'm merciful. Understand, Nefarious says, that women were going in there and letting the most sensitive aspects of their anatomy be exposed and manhandled in these conditions. And this was all sanctioned by the side who claims to be pro-woman and for women's health. Your government allowed this to go on for years as well. Other photos showed bloody stains and equipment that did not work, as well as Gosnell's cat sleeping on a chair with not a care in the world. Cross testified that the cat freely wandered throughout the clinic and even into procedure rooms and made a habit of relieving itself just about whatever it wanted. This is the island of Dr. Moreau. But a much seedier, dirtier version than the one that's cutting the balls off your kids. One patient was particularly memorable to Cross. Her name was Shaquana Abrams, and she was far advanced uh, into her pregnancy when she came to Gosnell for a two-day procedure. Abrams had to be heavily sedated as she lay sleeping on that filthy table in the operating room, the biggest baby Cross had ever seen during her years with Gosnell, quote, according to the testimony, just came out. Gosnell picked up the little boy and placed him in a plastic shoebox. The baby was so big that he didn't actually fit. 
His arms and legs were draped over the edges of the box. Then suddenly, in a scene reminiscent of a cheesy horror film, the baby boy drew in his arms and legs to lift himself in the box. I bet that must have freaked them out, Nefarious said. Gosnell then took the shoebox that contained the baby boy over to another part of the room, and that's where he snapped his neck in two. That's where he snapped his neck in two. That's where he snapped his neck in two. Don't send me any more notes! About the death penalty and how nice and kind you are. You're pathetic and soft is what you are. That's me, not nefarious. But he would say the same thing. And he's looking forward to seeing you one day. Back to nefarious. However, he never suctioned the cranial contents, meaning the brain, as he sometimes did after completed babies entered the room. The gory photo taken by Cross of this baby boy overwhelmed the courtroom when they saw it. As an aside, Nefarious goes on to say, there are millions of dead carcasses of babies just like that emanating from abortion clinics all over the country. Admittedly, their remains aren't usually thrust into shoeboxes, but if they're placed in a clean medical container, does that make it that much better? Your ability to rationalize your wickedness is one of the few things I respect about you bags of meat. This baby's corpse was supposed to have been taken to the freezer that night. But when the attendant came in the next morning to take out the trash, again, that's a line from the testimony, which included the aborted remains from the procedure rooms, he found the large, dark-haired baby still lying in that box in the operating room where it had been left by Gosnell. Folks, Nefarious concludes, not even hell can make this stuff up. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. Give me a moment to compose myself. Steve, why can't you be nice? Steve, why won't you lie to me like everybody else that I subscribe to and pay lies to me? Most everybody else anyway. Steve, why are you different from most of the other people I listen to and tune into? I just read you why. While you're getting your grift on, while you're making sure you have the access to the pet politician and star right-wing celebrity you most adore. This is going on. This is happening. They did this across the country to actual adults in hospitals the last few years. Just toss them aside as trash. They told you you could die, your grandparents, your diabetic relatives and friends could just die alone at home for a year. Because they didn't want to give them the medications that would help them early on because that would deny them the opportunity to create a trillion dollar industry off a poison poke. And a lot of you are asking me to just completely overlook the guy who authored the poke and is unrepentant for it. In fact, not only is not only is like memory holding it, no, brags about it, says he's taken at least three doses of it himself. And you got a lot of you just say, hey, you're, you're ruining your show, your traffic, your movie. Just let it go, man. I'm totally, co- I'm totally cool with the poison. I'm totally cool with being poisoned, that I almost got poisoned. Totally fine with it. 
Don't need an apology. Nothing. Well, I'm commanded to love my neighbor as I love myself. And I absolutely hate being lied to. Hate it. With a seething passion. So since I hate being lied to, I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself and not lie to you. That's why I'm like this. By all means, if there is somebody who can do this kinder and gentler, they are more than welcome to step into the fray. This is real evil. Richard Levine is just the progeny of Kermit Gosnell. And on the shelves of his science lab are the genitalia of your children. Their most innate, inmost parts that speak to their true, divinely given identities. And he just collects them like trophies. And this government says, by golly, we should do more of that. No, I'm not going to be nice. I'm going to be mean. Real freaking mean. Real mean. Because so is your Lord when he sees this stuff. When he saw seven nations of occultic pagan idolatry desecrating his creation including their bodies. He said to the Israelites, go into that land, slay everything, end it. You are my instrument of justice. You are my urban renewal program. You're my hands and my feet. And when it's over, you will take their land from them. Your Lord hated this so much, he descended into hell. All this talk about end times and second coming, sometimes I really wonder, do we really want Jesus to come back? Because I promise you, it ain't, you ain't getting baby Jesus the next time. This time. This next time will not be a cute story of a baby in a stable. Not going to get mercy mild. Save the carols. You're going to get justice. With a robe dipped in blood and a sword in his mouth. King of kings and Lord of lords. Line them up. Sheep and goats. We're in the end game now. The real end game now. Not the demonically fabricated one. The real one. Tell me what other response you would have me have to this kind of evil. Tell me what other response you would have me have to the unwillingness to confront it adequately. Yeah, I don't have one either. I don't either. We just have teachers that openly go on massive social media platforms 
and openly say, I'm trying to demonically influence your kid and wreck their soul irrevocably. I'm trying to do it. How would every other generation of Americans, regardless of socioeconomic status, responded to that? You know, I know. That's why they didn't have it. That's why they didn't put up with it. We always get the amount of evil and the amount of tyranny we are willing to tolerate. Period. By the way, Steve, have you heard back from the Christians of Vermont? And have they... No. No, I... Nope. Still have that Christian school in Vermont permanently banned. Every single Christian school in Vermont that is not voluntarily dropped out of the high school athletic process, you've shamed your testimony. Don't show up. Don't show up on Holy Week. Don't go to church. Don't, don't you dare stay home because that's where you belong. And you public school teacher believers in the Vermont school district, no mass walkout in solidarity with your brethren. No, you're not Daniel. You're a puss. You're a punk. That's what you are. You're a simp. And someone needs to tell you. So I'll nominate myself for the job. You're not strategic. You're not smart. You're not clever. You're weak. That's what you are. Leaving your brethren to hang by a thread all on their own. They're just going to love the people into the kingdom. Get the bleep out of here with that crap. You've inherited your reward in full. Enjoy. Steve, that sounds hard. They tortured him. Drove nails through his hands and his feet. Spread out his extremities so that he would asphyxiate in the heat of the sun. In public. You're damn right it's hard. They took his disciples. They cut off their heads. They drawed and quartered them. They dropped them in boiling boiling oil they crucified them upside down you're damn right it's hard a hundred Puritans got on a boat women and children six weeks of sail no running water little to no food half of them survived the first winter you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the other half Yes, it's hard. Real hard. Harder than, let me just vote for my hero in the primary and save America again. I promise you, it's a lot harder than that. I'm sorry that your nice, sweater-vested, khaki-panted pastor didn't tell you this for the last 30 years. He should have. This should come from him, not me. But he won't tell you. So that's apparently going to fall to the likes of us to tell you instead. You bet it's hard. And I promise you against this kind of evil, it's going to get a lot harder. Buckle up. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. I think after that. We probably need to lighten the mood a little bit, both for ourselves and the audience. What say you?
I agree, but you never know what kind of mindset Aaron brings to this whole uh, gambit. Let, so. let, let, let's hope it's a jolly one. Let's get to <laughs> let's get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, three hopefully good non-political questions. Todd, I appreciate the assumption that I actually use my mind when uh, when working on this uh, segment. That's how low the standards are. I assure you. I have motor function. <laughs> Basically that. I don't know if it's a mind Vegetable. or what it is. Just every once in a while you get Mount Rushmore of favorite diseases. Go. Lime. Yes. We start out with something that sounds a little uh, political, but I'm making something political, not political. Question number one. If you were constructing a football team and the only players you could draft were currently elected politicians at any level... What would your team look like? Give me three or four players you would draft, what their positions would be, and why you would put them in those positions. Interesting. You want to want me to take that first? Or you want to go first? Uh, we can probably do a combined. Um... Any positions on the team, like including coaching positions? Yeah, sure. Okay. I, like I would start the one that like jumps off the page at me just because he had a commercial, I think, at one point where he was throwing a football around, and I think he played football and like college or something is Marco Rubio maybe he did him, play football in college maybe yeah. you know put him in a quarterback I don't know if he's got the stones to stand in there and take a hit but oh I thought well you're actually being more literal about that I thought this was more you can take it any way you want um take it any way you want what's the meanest what's the meanest position that you have to be on the field how about, be defensive let, let, tackle let, let, in fact let's start with the most obvious one Corey Booker actually had a profile on Rivals.com as a high school recruit, right? And um, I think he's the only member of Congress who had a Rivals.com recruiting profile. Played college football at Stanford, I believe, right? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So I think think we have, uh, we we put Corey Booker at tight end. Okay. If you're picking up what I'm... See. When I'm laying down. And Lindsey Graham would love to be a backup tight end. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I mean, he'd thing. have the back of... Yes. It's not possible for this segment to ever pick us up, <laughs> ever. <laughs> all right, in all seriousness, I'm taking Thomas Massey, okay. and I'm making him my offensive coordinator. Okay. Just at MIT. Just who was it? I, a, a, an MIT guy, curly-haired, nerd, who's savage at the same time and cares not at all. Who does not want that guy calling your place? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just a complete, you know, technocrat, but at the same, but, but isn't he, he is, he is intellectually, but he's not wired like one at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So like, he's a, he's a technocrat, but he's, but he's, but he's a savage at the exact same time. So that's the guy, you know, like Jimmy Johnson once famously said, hey, if you don't like the fact we're still scoring points on you, you can tackle us. That guy. I want I want that guy calling my plays. So I'm going to start with Massey. As, I want Thomas Massey as my offensive coordinator. Thoughts? I'm uh, I'm good with it. Is that I, better uh, than Corey Booker at tight end? Um, asked and answered. <laughs> 
Nice. I'm going with uh, our governor, Kim Reynolds, as a shutdown corner, like okay. Dan Sanders. Like th- this state, th- there's a Democrat from Eastern Iowa who just went full tenter- temper tantrum, called our governor a terrorist because you won't trans the kids. I mean, she she is just absolutely naming the score in the state of Iowa. And, you know, I mean, it's not even passes aren't even being throwing the receivers right the receivers could i even have oxygen no you can't even have oxygen you aren't allowed to breathe i own you and everything about you it is so she's your revis island you're gonna oh, put her out there on an island absolutely who was the was it uh byron donalds the oh, guy, yeah. the guy mm-hmm. who joined the coalition against yeah. Yeah. uh um against mccarthy late yeah. and he's like dude i'm i grew up in the hood i'm a black guy i grew up in the hood like, yeah. why do i freaking care that people are i was playing dodge the crack dealer on the way yeah. to school why do i care that people are writing bad blogs yeah. about me right i want that guy on my team somewhere okay so I, and now he's so i'm going to put him like at edge coming off the edge going after the quarterback who's the guy that's probably gonna be the next governor of north carolina mark robinson mm-hmm. is that yeah. his name yeah i'm putting him on the nose okay i'm putting that guy on the nose See, i think he's i think he absolutely swallows up a couple of gaps for me up front I, I i think i put rand paul at the nose or one of the defensive tackle positions because all I mean, five foot six 173 pounds of him yeah he is he as i said earlier he's got that fu energy he's very vindictive I mean, he's been injured a few times. He is a tough cookie, and he just has the pure okay. hate that he can feed off of. I would draft AOC and Lauren Boebert to play wide receiver for me. They just put him out there as decoys every single play. And then, I, I like I said, Marco Rubio. Just have people watching the hot chicks running around in uniform? Is that what you're thinking? I Yeah, decoys. Just okay. distractions every yeah. single play. And then I'd get somebody like maybe Corey Booker to play running back or something like that. This no one picked a quarterback. I picked uh, Marco Rubio. Oh, you picked Rubio as a quarterback. Yeah, I think he played quarterback. Yeah, I, I got to have a leader of men at quarterback. See, that's the, maybe that's that's the why thing. I don't know if he, has a, if he has the uh, stones to stand in there and take a hit. That's yeah, my I, only I, concern. Yeah, I need, a, I need a leader of men. Question number two. What are your four horsemen or harbingers of warmer weather every single winter? When the I, cal- when the, for me, it's when the calendar goes to March. Okay. That like psychologically boosts me because I, I know and the way Iowa works, we typically get a jolt of nice weather um, in the first half of the month. And then the latter half of the month can be kind of brutal. Um, so when the calendar turns to March is one for me. Um, when the Cadbury mini eggs come out uh, and the Shamrock Shakes are both out in March, because that also indicates to me that spring is close. Easter is close. Those those are so I would put those two things together for sure. Um, uh, the Masters would be another one because that's often it just seems like that's the first right around then is often been the first weekend to go out and get the yard and stuff ready. And so, you know, I listen to uh, kind of the tradition for me is Saturday is moving day. Watch all of it all day Sunday. Saturday is moving day. And so I listen to that, the the radio broadcast of that while I'm, you know, getting the yard prepped for that time of year. So that would be kind of another one for me. And um, the classic one, you know, going back to my childhood, the sport doesn't resonate with me as much as it did, but it was just quintessential to my youth, of course, is opening day of the Major League Baseball season is another one. Hearing play ball in a game that counts for the first time. So those would be the four that kind of resonate with me. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't say the NCAA tournament because that's, I remember, especially back in college, like you were fighting the, if you had really nice days, you're like, do I skip class to go play basketball? Yeah, but I remember I though, I grew up in yeah. Michigan yeah. and a lot of times 
there's a foot of snow on the ground and early yeah. of lake effect snow on the ground and in mid to late March. Well, so you're just vegging out watching the tournament in your basement. But I, I hear you. Yeah. I remember some days, uh, a, the first, uh, and I just did this yesterday. Uh, the first trip to, uh, like, um, home Depot or something. Cause you got to get some yeah. yard, yard work done yeah. that, you know, going out into the, uh, picking up a bag of mulch or, uh, something like that. Obviously, uh, uh, opening day um, uh, undeniably does that. Sadly, um, you know, there's nothing but that wisp of uh, nostalgia for me uh, uh, now, but that's definitely there. And uh, I would, uh, and Lent. Oh, that's an obvious one for you yeah. as a Catholic. You bet. Okay. For me, in order, it's pitchers and catchers reports. It is the Masters promos after the Super Bowl. Although I wish they would keep the, you know, the the elevator music, piano music uh, in their promos. They've got some sort of Georgia song now uh, that they run, but whatever. It's that. It is St. Patrick's Day slash NCAA tournament. And then the final horseman, when I really know that warm temperatures are here, the first day that I overdress in terms of like I go outside and I start to sweat. That is the, that's when you really truly know that warmer weather is here for good. Finally, once more, here's Anna Hibbs. Hey guys. So tell me about a time where something happened to you and you thought to yourself, I know that God is in this. I see God in this. Thanks guys. Thought I'd be nicer this week. Did she say the first time or one time? One time. One time. Okay. I will give a couple of examples. Sure, go ahead. One is more serious than the other, but I think they're both. I mean, one of my brothers got really, really sick. Like, it's been almost a decade ago. And uh, totally derailed, totally derailed kind of what he had in mind or what his ambition was as far as career. But in the midst of that, he discovered he was talented very very talented in another way and that's kind of and that's kind of the trajectory that he went on and it's one of those things where looking back you can't really see it happening another way that's kind of when you know that god is at work where it's like this did not go to plan but i cannot see this happening any other way so that's one thing that's always one example uh, that pops into my mind well, a recent example that's not that climactic but just um in this this is a first world thing, but Bella and I being able to get into a house when we were, uh, and we were really kind of ticked off about the rental situation being basically kicked out with the new baby. Um, not that we did anything wrong. It's just that we were renting privately and, and the owners had every right to say, Hey, we actually kind of want to sell this place now. So you can either buy it from us, but you can't rent it from <clears> us <throat> anymore. And so that forced us to get out, but, um, to get into the market when we did was, kind of a godsend because the pressure that we would be under mm -hmm. uh, if we had done it any later mm -hmm. financially uh, that would not have been very much fun so those are my two examples you want to go next uh i've said a little bit before um and i, I i've got several but i i do think that this uh and I, this attempt to be diligent in how, my wife and i and how we ch chose to educate our children and just admitting uh we failed uh catholic school all of them uh started there i don't regret our, our reasons for doing that um but in trying to tiptoe through the raindrops and 
make sure that they, they are come, come away as unsullied as possible. Well, we saw where that was going uh, in Catholic school. We went to a semi-rural uh, area. Now, as I've told you, we're refugees uh, at uh, Steve Dace's kids' uh, school. Uh, but it, it, my, my point being... Catholic all, refugees, he my, means. My kids have turned out uh, great. Uh, but it's, uh, we tried our hardest, but I give my thanks to God because there, <laughs> there were plenty of breaks along the way, but he, here they are. It's because, you know, uh, outcomes are for him. Uh, and it won't always go the way you want to. You've got to be prepared uh, for the ride. It's not that we were wrong in any of the choices we were made. Maybe we were rewarded for some of the choices we were made. But you you can't plan on the outcome because I did not expect, not because I didn't think it was a good school, I did not expect my kids to be uh, at Des Moines Christian at this point. And it's been our cup runneth over in terms of the experiences here. I don't know what expect to expect next year, though, you know? You really have got to do your best in the time, but be nimble enough to know that God's plans are not yours. Hmm. I mean, I, I could... I, I can just give... I could do entire an entire show answering this question with examples in my life. I mean, I... Um, no way our marriage would have survived a few years ago without God. No way. I've told this story before the first time um, I ever did a speaking engagement and they were going to pay me and I didn't want to take it. They took up an offering and I come home, right? I've told that story a million times and it ended up being the exact mm-hmm. amount of money that we were overdrawn in our checking account. Okay. I mean, I, I could, I could tell, uh, you know, uh, when, when I made the decision to go with this group of investors and see if we could you know, establish a, a a national media company around, um, you know, my show. I had no idea what to do. And a guy I did not know, never even heard of, Stu Epperson Jr. calls me out of the blue. And, you know, just so happens his dad is the founding founding chairman of Salem Media, which is the largest Christian media company on on the continent. You know, I didn't even, I mean, he just called me. I mean, I, I could give a million examples of this. Let me give you a very recent one that I've not shared publicly yet. We got done filming the movie in uh, in Texas in uh, January of 2021. You went down there with me for that, Todd, and um, came back. And uh, the way the Oklahoma film tax credit works is uh, the the more you do in Oklahoma, the more you can get a, apply for the rebate. So we thought let's hire an editor in Oklahoma, and we tried. And you know I'm waiting for my rough cut of the movie to come in, and the guy just couldn't get his his arms around our film and so we're thinking we're in danger and i'm sitting here uh well it was in the old studio but i'm at in this spot doing this show and i get an email from a guy who says hey you don't know me at all big fan of your podcast love that you were uh tuned in uh to uh midnight mass our show on netflix i was the editor of that show and i'm on paid leave right now from uh, netflix i wouldn't take the jab and maybe they were going to can me, but they didn't because of the Biden mandate. And so now, you know, they're not sure what they're going to do with me. I've got some time. You know, I'm on paid leave right now. I've got some time if uh, if you need some help with the movie. And I, I didn't know how dire the situation was. I just checked out the guy's resume during the break. And it's really impressive. He's worked on all horror, all thriller st- style of films like our own, including a movie you guys maybe have heard of, Get Out. He worked on that movie. That's kind of a hit, right? So I sent it over to our, you know, believe team, our producer team. I'm like, yeah, just in case you need somebody, you know, who knows? Lo and behold, 
We needed somebody. And we ended up finding someone who came to us out of the blue, who is a friggin' maestro in this genre. And what he did with our film is nothing short of extraordinary. I mean, he is, you know, uh, Carrie, Chuck, and Chris, they are the starting pitching rotation, right? They're the guys that went out there every five days and didn't and worked the, and, and, and put in the innings, okay? But, but Brian, our editor, is our Mariano Rivera. And if it wasn't for Netflix putting him on paid leave, we couldn't probably have afforded him. We would not have known he existed. And, he, and, it, we, and that, that, that came just at the time that our movie needed to be saved. And dude came out of the bullpen, man, throwing cutters and just striking guys out, Mariano Rivera style. And not only saved the film, but made it extraordinary beyond even what we thought we possibly had when we, when we looked at the script. And that all happened. We did none of that. We did nothing to make that happen. Nothing. I literally just sat here during the show and read an email during a commercial break from this guy. I said, hey. I so happen to be free. It's probably too late. You're probably too far down the path. But just in case, well, we need someone. And my entire, my whole career has been like that. That that's why I just that's why I take risks so other people don't take. Because from my perspective, man, I'm I'm playing with house money here all the time. So go for broke. So hope that's a little bit of an encouragement to you that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.